Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. By this time, news has gotten all around. You'll recall that following Jesus' baptism, he went into the wilderness and was tempted by Satan for 40 days. In the preceding verses, the the two verses that come before our uh, lesson this morning, um, we read this. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So that gives you a little bit of the context of what was leading into this uh, time when Jesus has now walked into the synagogue in his hometown. Now he's back in Nazareth, which is his hometown. And as is his custom, he's in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he's teaching. And by God's divine providence, he opens this. This was the appointed reading. It's not that, uh, I mean, this was the reading that was brought forward for him. And um, at least it was the scroll of Isaiah. Maybe it wasn't necessarily Isaiah 61, but it was the scroll. And so he opens it up and he reads. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know, we tend to be very materialistic, so when we hear Uh, good news to the poor, we think of finances. Oh, these are the people who are materially poor. They lack something. They they lack food. They lack housing. They lack clothing, whatever. When we hear liberty to the captives, we think people in jail. When we hear Sight to the blind, we think of people literally receiving their sight. Yes, all of those things are true, but that's not Jesus' primary message here. That's not really what he's getting at. But of course, he does care about poverty. He cares about those who are are, uh, poor, destitute. In fact, he cares so much for them that he has commanded his church to care for them. And we are, we do like such a great job, don't we? I mean, we're like the best. We have, you know, we open up our doors and have the homeless come in here. And, and then in our own homes, we, we open up the doors and let the homeless into our own homes. And every single time we see a person who's asking for a handout, we, we go to them and treat them as a human being, right? And we sh- just show them the dignity of that. You know, this is a fellow human. I might not have a dime to give you, but I'm still going to treat you like a human. And, and then perhaps ask them, well, is there something you need? Can I take you somewhere? Can I give you a, a ride somewhere? Is there, you know, can I take you out to lunch? We're awesome at that. We always do that every time. <laughs> we don't. How about uh, liberty of of captives, people in prison? Because we definitely do go to prisons all the time. I tell you, I can go to any prison in the peninsula, any jail in the peninsula, and as soon as I come in, they see me coming. Hey, Pastor Brown, it's great to see you again. 
Only hang on, that's not true. But why? He commissioned the church to do just these things. All right, how about recovering of sight to the blind? Do we do that? Well, I don't think there's any eye doctors in our midst here. And as far as I know, well, we can't really cure blindness all the time anyway. Even, even doctors, even eye doctors are not capable of curing all types of blindness. I guess you could say that when it comes to being like the Christians and the church that God has commanded us to, to be, it, when it comes to our own individual performance, right? Our work for Christ, our work for God. We are pretty poor at it. And this is not news to any of you. This is why we confess our sins when we come into church. We confess because we are poor. We don't do this. You could even say we're spiritually poor. And now you're getting closer to what Jesus is talking about when he says that he has come to proclaim good news to the poor. Don't think about it materialistically. That's not what he's talking about. This isn't good news to the people who are looking for a handout uh, of food or money or whatever. This is good news to people who are spiritually poor and who are looking to say, I don't have what it takes to purchase salvation, to purchase redemption. All of my works don't do that. I'm destitute. I'm poor. Uh, A better word is probably beggarly. I am beggarly. We fail to do the things that we know we ought to do regularly. We don't care for our brothers and sisters as we ought. We don't care for the oppressed as we ought, for the captives. So we have no righteousness of our own to give to God. And, and let, me, let me just emphasize nothing. When I say we have nothing to give to God for our salvation, understand that quite literally. We have not a single thing. Our works are great. I mean, our, our good works are what we are called to do. But it's not... We're not offering those to God. We're offering those to our neighbor because of the love that God has shown toward us. So here we are, spiritually poor. And when you come to this place of total spiritual poverty, you know, reflect on that. Where am I? And, and you can use the, the, the commandments, God's Ten Commandments. You can use those as a mirror. That's the primary use of that. So we can see ourselves and our need for a Savior. Go right down the list. Every, everywhere, right down the list, we fail. And we come to this place of total spiritual poverty. And now we understand the poor in the sense that Jesus said, poor. And as he quotes from Isaiah, he has come to bring good news to the poor. That's us. He said that, In the hearing of the people there, he said, this prophecy of Isaiah, which, by the way, when you look at this prophecy from Isaiah, Isaiah is obviously not talking about himself. He's not talking about God. 
because God the Father doesn't need to anoint himself. This is a messianic prophecy. He is talking about the Messiah. And Jesus said, that's me. I am here. This scripture has been fulfilled today in your hearing. So what was their reaction? Oh, they're like, well, we know he's done these wonderful works in Capernaum because remember, you go back to the context, Jesus had performed all of these miracles in the surrounding territories and it was well known. And so they're saying, here he is in his hometown. We of all, uh, of all people, we will especially be blessed by him. And he brings up these examples of Naaman. Um, you'll recall from the Old Testament that Naaman was not, he was not a Jew. He was not of the chosen people. And yet he was uh, cured, cleansed of his leprosy by God through the prophet Elisha. Likewise, with the, the, the uh, Sidonian woman who was a widow and uh, there was a famine and she was tended to by Elijah and not everyone was. So what Jesus is saying there is that God will show mercy on whom he will show mercy and God has a way of doing things that is beyond our way of understanding So these people in Nazareth that are expecting this from him, they have it backwards. They have it wrong. And how do they react? They dragged him to a cliff to throw him off the edge of a cliff. You think he ruffled some feathers there? See, Jesus didn't come to proclaim good news to self-righteous people who are not in need of a Savior, at least in their own minds are not in need of a Savior. He came to proclaim good news to the poor, which is you, which is me. We're the ones who say, okay, God, I have nothing to offer you that would earn my salvation. I come on my knees begging for your mercy. Jesus Christ says, I am here to proclaim good news to you. You who are poor, you who lack your own righteousness, I am here to proclaim good news to you. So they don't like that in Nazareth and they drag him to the cliff to throw him off. Now, what did he do? He just walked off in their, from their midst. Jesus, you mean to tell me that you could have done that at the cross? You could have just walked away from the cross in the very same way? And he says, yes, I certainly could have. Uh, But here's the problem. It was not the will of the Father for me to walk away from the cross. It was the will of the Father for me to walk to the cross because that was necessary for me to die for your sins. That's the good news, the liberty that you have. And, and what is it that we're at liberty from? What are, we, what are the captives set free from? We're set free from Satan's tyranny. Satan doesn't have this. He doesn't have us in bondage anymore. He says, I want to drag you down to hell. And Jesus Christ says, no, I died for his sins. I died for your sins. You can't take him. 
He, she is now perfectly righteous in God's eyes because of what I've done, because of what I have willingly done at the cross. He didn't walk away. He accepted the mantle, God's will, that he would take your sins and take them to the cross. This, brothers and sisters, is good news to the poor. When it came time, Jesus died for your sake and for mine. All glory, praise, and honor be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.